period, the end, stress makes you stupid. Unless you are trying to outrun a tiger or lift a car off of a baby, like unless your body is acutely in danger and you need to launch into a fight or flight stress reaction, then stress is maladaptive and it's disallowing us from performing at the top of our game in the demands that most of us are under. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, I am talking with the meditation expert, Emily Fletcher, and we are discussing how to manage stress so it doesn't manage you. Now, have you ever considered meditation before? For real? If you haven't, let me share with you why considering it may be the path to your best productivity yet. One of the greatest benefits of meditation is the ability to become more productive by lowering stress levels in the body. And that is exactly what Emily brings to the table and teaches. Now, some important facts to consider, and this is why I am personally fascinated with meditation, is that one, stress can wreak havoc on your mind and body. Stress throws your body into fight or flight mode, which keeps you from performing at the top of your game. The cost, your most valuable asset, time. Stress doesn't give you your cutting edge. It actually wastes your energy, causes fatigue, creates weight gain and overwhelm. And let me tell you from personal experience, I have dealt with all four of those symptoms and have been miserable and definitely have not been at the top of my game. Now, Harvard researchers estimate that 80% of doctor's visits are caused by stress. And meditation is the single most powerful stress relieving tool available by natural means. Getting stressed out is not necessarily bad for you, but staying chronically stressed is highly toxic. When the body is in constant fight or flight mode, mental capacity decreases. But luckily, there is something you can do about it. Meditation reduces stress and allows you to perform at the top of your game. What I love most about Emily's teaching is that she has literally taken the woo-woo out of meditation and shows you how to use it to your advantage to create greater productivity, which is what we all need, right? Less distraction, less stress, more getting stuff done. Now, before I bring Emily on today, I wanna quickly sing her praises. Emily Fletcher is the founder of Ziva Meditation and the creator of Ziva Mind, the world's first online meditation training. Ziva's mission is to make meditation attractive, accessible, and easy to adopt into the modern world. Recently featured in the New York Times, named Top 100 Women in Wellness to Watch and regarded as one of the leading experts in meditation for performance, Emily has been invited by companies like Google, Barclay, Sweetgreen, to literally help improve company performance through meditation. I can't wait for you guys to enjoy this interview with Emily. Welcome, Emily, to the Essentially You podcast. I am so, so excited to have you here today. How are you doing, girl? I'm so happy to be here and to reconnect with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I think this is a topic we're going to already had an opportunity to introduce you, but we're talking about specifically the stress solutions 
three ways to manage anxiety so it doesn't manage you. So I want to jump on in because I'm really curious about the connection between meditation and really reducing stress levels. Goodness knows, probably one of the reasons why I am here today, why I do what I do every day is because I have been in a position where I have dealt with so much stress. I think pretty much every woman I've ever met has dealt with stress. And what I love about your philosophy is how we can utilize meditation to really create performance to really be the people we want to be and get things done without being overly stressed. But before we get into that, I want to just dive into so many people are intrigued about what you do and the difference between mindfulness and meditation. So could you dive in and tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Those two words are actually being used as synonyms. A lot of people think that mindfulness and meditation are the same thing, and they're not really synonyms. People think that mindfulness is maybe like a less religious sounding word than meditation, so they'll use it in corporate settings. And I should preface this all by saying that there are thousands of different styles of meditation, thousands of different styles of mindfulness. But if we want to put them under only two categories, then we could separate them as mindfulness and meditation. And the way I would define them is that mindfulness is more of a directed focused style where you are focusing your attention on something specific like your breath or doing a guided visualization or visualizing your chakras or seeing a waterfall. And most of what people are familiar with is more of the mindfulness camp. So all of the apps out there and all of the drop-in studios and any of the guided things that you might find on YouTube, even though they call themselves meditations, I would put them more in the category of mindfulness where you're directing your focus. And mindfulness is very good at changing your state in the right now. Meaning I feel stressed right now. Let me listen to this visualization. Let me listen to this thing on my app, on my phone, and it will change my state in the right now. Now, meditation is quite different. Meditation, as I define it, is where you're accessing a verifiable fourth state of consciousness. So different than waking, sleeping, or dreaming. And in this state of consciousness, your body is getting very deep healing rest because you're actually de-exciting your nervous system. And when you de-excite something, you create order. And when you create order in your nervous system, then the lifetime of accumulated stresses that we all have in our body can start to come up and out. So basically the Cliff's notes of this is that mindfulness is very good at dealing with your stress in the right now. Meditation is very good at getting rid of your stress from the past. And it does that by giving your body deep healing rest. Just like if you go to sleep at night, your body runs a whole host of healing functions. Similarly, the meditation is like rest that you insert into your day so that you can heal your body from stress. And as you mentioned, I operate under the sort of radical belief that we meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. I think that the whole reason we're doing any of these practices is so that we can be the most amazing version of ourselves so that we can perform at the top of our game. We're not doing it for the thing itself. Like no one meditates for the sake of meditation. We do it because we want to be better at our job, a better mother, a better wife, a better leader. And these tools, I think, just help to move the needle in the performance department so quickly. Mm. Now, I really appreciate the difference because I'll be honest with you, I do have the apps Mm -hmm. and so much of what I thought was meditation, well, I just learned now is mindfulness. Mm -hmm. 
which is great. And look, I mean, I'm biased. I, I have definitely have my favorites and my preferences as everyone. We all have our own preferences, but I'm not here to like diminish one or the other. I just think it's important that as these things become more and more popular and as we start using them more frequently, we get specific about our vocabulary. Meditation has become like the word food. You know, you could say food equals hamburgers, food equals smoothies, food equals French fries, food equals green juice. And yes, those are all food, but they're doing different things to your brain and body. Similarly, practicing kundalini yoga or doing like a deep restful meditation are going to affect your nervous system in different ways. And it's empowering to know, well, what tool should I be using in which circumstance? Absolutely. I agree. Now, one of the things I hear so much about from friends, from family, from my readers is that they, especially around that concept of self-care and maybe having a morning ritual, is that a lot of us know, well, everyone knows that we really should be meditating, but we actually, we aren't doing it. And I'll be honest with you, I don't do it enough. You know, my husband's meditated once. And honestly, I think he may have done some more mindfulness practice than he did meditation. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about why aren't we doing this? Yeah, so it's a great question. And you're right. Everybody at this point, I mean, unless you're living under a rock, like, you know, you should be meditating. You know, the science is in. There's over 1,400 peer reviewed scientific studies saying that meditation is great for you, that it can reverse your body age, it can improve insomnia, it can eradicate anxiety, depression, ADHD, PTSD, IBS. I mean, like, the, the list of benefits of this thing is, is virtually endless because the list of ailments that come from stress is also. So limitless. <laughs> so, you know, we all know we should be doing it, but very few people actually are certainly on a daily basis. And I think that that comes from a few different things. One is that most people just haven't been trained yet. And because meditation is simple, which it is, it is simple. I think a lot of people assume that they should already know how to do it. And a lot of people think that meditation simply means sitting in a chair and clearing your mind because like some yoga teacher somewhere told them once to clear their mind. And then here's what that looks like. People sit down, they close their eyes and they say, okay, brain, stop thinking. Oh, sure would like a snack. Mm, snacks are delicious. Wait, now I'm thinking about snacks. Wait, now I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about snacks. I suck at meditation and I quit. And that's the beginning and the end of most people's meditation career because none of us will do anything for very long that we feel like we're failing at. And so what I really want to encourage people to understand is that meditation really is like any other skill. It takes a bit of training. You know, none of us would embark on a 21 day Japanese challenge with no instruction in how to speak Japanese. You know, we would not challenge ourselves to speak Japanese for 20 minutes a day if we had never learned how. And yet that's what most people are doing with meditation. They think, well, it's simple. I should just sit there and close my eyes. But then people are like, am I doing this right? This doesn't feel like I'm getting any better. I feel frustrated. I can't clear my mind and then they quit. So I think step one is know that it really is a skill and it takes a bit of training. And I think the thing there is just to find a technique that works for you and find a teacher that you trust and respect. And then once you have some training, it can be ridiculously simple and even enjoyable. And that's the other thing is that once you have training, then the you actually look forward to the meditation. You're like, oh, I can't wait to do this thing because it feels so good. And then I perform so much better afterwards. So it becomes like eating dark chocolate. Like you don't need discipline to eat dark chocolate because you're like, oh, that's delicious. I want to eat it. And that's how people who have been trained in meditation feel about meditation. So that's part one. The other big obstacle that I see from people of what, why they're not meditating is that they have bought into the story that they're too busy. 
And look, I'm not here to invalidate anyone's story of busyness because we're all busy. You know, like I'm a meditation teacher and I think I'm the busiest lady in the land. (laughs) And so I get it. And I, and I get that there are legitimate demands on our time, but one of my missions with Ziva is to really re-educate people to see that meditation is not a luxury item. This is not a pedicure for your brain. This isn't something that you're like, oh, well, when I have some extra time, I'll get around to that meditation thing. What I really want people to start to understand is that meditation is the single most important piece of mental hygiene that they need to be practicing every day because stress makes you stupid. Period. The end. Stress makes you stupid. Unless you are trying to outrun a tiger or lift a car off of a baby, like unless your body is acutely in danger and you need to launch into a fight or flight stress reaction, then stress is maladaptive and it's disallowing us from performing at the top of our game in the demands that most of us are under, like, you know, work deadlines, red eye flights, being present with our children, traffic, changes of expectation, emails, inboxes, text messages, like all of our normal modern day demands no longer call for a fight or flight stress reaction. And if we do involuntarily launch into it, then usually we waste our time cleaning up the mess that that stress reaction caused. You know, if we just lose our mind on our mother-in-law, well, now we have to spend three days apologizing. Or if we flip somebody off in traffic and then they ram into our car, well, now we have to take our car to the shop to get it fixed. So I think that people don't really understand the time and opportunity cost that stress has on our brains and our bodies. And so once people start to understand that, they see that, oh, meditation, this is not a luxury item. This is actually making me more efficient. This is making me more creative. This is making me need less sleep. This is helping me to get sick less often. And then once they understand that math, that the return on investment is exponential, then taking 15 minutes out of your day to meditate seems like a no-brainer. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, I wanted to get into the time investment and I recognize this is all, I love all this because it's just giving me so much more clarity as well. But people who are still saying, as we're talking right now, well, I still am so busy. Mm-hmm. What does the time investment look like for this? Because I know this is built into your everyday. Yes. I mean, I know that you meditate, you can meditate on a plane. I have seen you meditate in some really amazing places. So I'm just like, oh my goodness, that is, imp- that is so impressive. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, I mean, it seems impressive, but honestly, like once you have a little bit of training, it's not hard at all. Like you could do it on a plane, on a bus, you could do it in the middle of a music festival. I meditated at the Tony Robbins conference. There was 13,000 people in a stadium, like a rock concert. And I was like, hmm, time to meditate. And I just closed my eyes and it was so refreshing and delicious. But this goes along with that idea that the point of meditation is not to clear the mind and that actually noise is no barrier to meditation. So you don't have to like block anything out or find like a sacred chamber of nothingness in order to meditate. Like the style of meditation that I teach at Ziva is really designed for busy people with busy minds. And it's designed to be integrated into your busy life. So you don't have to shut down your life. Let's say you have a newborn baby. Okay. Well, maybe the baby sleeps for 30 minutes. Great. You meditate for 10 or 15 of those, and then you shower and then you write your two emails you need to write. And then the baby wakes up. So I'm not saying you have to like move to a cave or become a vegetarian or stop having sex or stop drinking Jack Daniels. Like you don't have to really change your lifestyle all that much. You might have to get up 15 minutes earlier, but 
we created an online training. It's called Ziva Online. And the training is, is 15 days. It's about 20, 25 minutes a day for 15 days. And it really is a matriculation. Like it, it moves you through step by step so that by the end of this training, you're not dependent on me or my voice or my guidance or any audios or your phone being charged or Wi-Fi. Like you could literally just close your eyes and meditate anywhere you are after you move through the training. And then once you graduate, the practice is 15 minutes twice a day. And I recommend first thing in the morning, like before coffee, breakfast, or computer. And then whenever you feel that mid-afternoon slump. So what I would recommend is like, instead of going to take the coffee break, which honestly takes you about 20 minutes by the time you close your computer, get up, go to the coffee shop, get your coffee, wait in line, drink it, come back. So instead you would just meditate. You can meditate right at your desk for 15 minutes. And then what people say is that they have this hit of productivity, this hit of clarity and energy and creativity. And most of my students say that the few hours after their afternoon meditation are the most productive, most creative of their day. And then they have more energy to spend with their families or with their loved ones after work instead of just coming home exhausted being like, I'm just, I just have to drink wine and pass out on the couch. It's not fair to the people who are arguably supposed to be the most important ones in our life. You know, we leave it all on the stage. We give our best energy and our best time to our jobs, most of us, and we come home and we're so exhausted. And so what I love about meditation is that it gives you this, this ability to fill yourself up from the source, to tap into the very source of creativity and energy so that you have more to give to your job, to your family. I love it. And I know that you've had some amazing success I and mean, you've taught, oh my goodness, almost 100,000 people how to meditate over the years. What have you seen regarding meditation in improving the performance of the people who you've worked with, your students, your clients? What are some of the stories in that as well? Because I'm assuming a lot of these people that you've worked with, high levels of stress, needing to be high level performance. And then also those, as you mentioned earlier, people who are dealing with anxiety, anxiousness, depression. What are some of the things you've found? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a great question. And couple of things. One, while I would love to claim that I've taught 100,000 people, I'm not there quite yet. I've taught, okay. I've taught, I've taught 2,000 people face-to-face in my in-person courses, like in my studio in New York. And I've taught so far over 5,000 online, so a total of 7,000, which I'm crazy proud of. And also I've taught Oscar, Grammy, Tony, and Emmy award winners so far. So I have an EGOT of students. <laughs> But you're right. Like people come to me, people come to Ziva when they're ready to really perform at the top of their game. And and a lot of people come to me, it's not that they want meditation to be a part of their identity. It's not that they see that's who they are, but it's a tool to allow them to be the most amazing version of who they are. And I think that meditation doesn't change you. It just makes you more you. So to answer your question, people who are coming to me with anxiety or depression or insomnia, I would say we have about a 95% success rate with insomnia. And for a lot of people, the first couple of days, it might get a little worse and then it goes away and usually it's gone for good. And that's my story as well, which I can share with you in a bit, but I had debilitating insomnia for about 18 months. And then on the first day of my first meditation class, it went away. And that was 10 and a half years ago. And if that's the only thing that meditation would have done for me, it would have been enough. But that was just the beginning. But people who either are about to get on meds or want to get off their meds, like anti-anxiety and antidepressants, they will sometimes come to meditation. And, you know, obviously I want to make a disclaimer there that, you know, some people really need to be on meds and I have no objection to them. And I think that if, you know, coming off of anti-anxiety or antidepressants is something that you want to do with great care and great caution. And, And what I usually recommend is that people have a very regular practice that they're doing 
doing twice a day for at least three months. And then I usually work with them and their doctor to wean off very slowly. But if we do it in that way, we've had a great success rate with people basically becoming more reliant on their own internal pharmacy for bliss chemicals. Because when you meditate, your brain starts producing dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. And so you become a little less reliant on external chemicals like alcohol or caffeine or sugar or pot or Lexapro or whatever it is that you're taking to adjust your moods and consciousness. I like to move towards self-sufficiency. But that said, I'm not a doctor and there are some people that really benefit from being on meds. So basically it's just if people want to get off and their doctor feels that it's safe, then we can work with you to do that. But people have come to me, oh, I had one woman who was, I think she was stage two breast cancer and she just had a double mastectomy and then she came and took the course And then she meditated through her treatment, so throughout her chemo. And what was fascinating is that the orderlies and the nurses and the doctors were all fascinated at how quickly she would recover. So she would actually meditate for like two or three hours straight, which I don't recommend for most people, but if you're, this is an extraordinary circumstance, your body's under extreme demand. So she would just meditate right through her treatments. And then the nurse would come in and be like, okay, you're ready to go. Like her vitals were coming back so quickly. And everyone was like, what are you doing? And and she really feels like the meditation helped her to move through that treatment more elegantly. And she said, I didn't fight my cancer. I experienced my cancer. And now she's cancer-free and she's back at work. And she's actually training to be a teacher with me because it was so powerful for her. So she wants to be able to share it with other people, which is really inspiring. So that's sort of like people who are moving away from some sort of an ailment. But what's happening more and more is that people are coming to Ziva because they want to really perform at the top of their game. And I've had actors who used to take beta blockers, which is something that you take to help you not be so nervous. Like Tony award-winning actors who would be puking in the wings off stage before going on stage because they were so nervous. And now they're off beta blockers. They have no performance anxiety, even performing live for like 16 million people on like a live broadcast. They're like, no, I just don't get nervous anymore. Even improvising, like doing straight up improv with Robert De Niro. No, I don't get nervous anymore. And so like that, that feels feels really exciting. And people say that they just feel more, more creative, more tapped in and more in that flow state, you know, that ever elusive flow state that everyone talks about, but we don't really seem to be able to cultivate on a regular basis. That to me is one of the biggest benefits of meditation is that if you practice regularly, you just find that your whole life becomes so full of synchronicity and serendipity. And you feel like, like nature has your back instead of constantly feeling like you're fighting and running uphill. I love that concept of being in a flow state. I, you're right. I think so many of us want to want to be able to reside, like to get into that stride. And I love that you have an opportunity to work with people who are right there in that high performance moment who have to do what they need to do, particularly performers and actors. Mm-hmm. Also, I've taught NBA players and CEOs and hedge fund managers. And like the thing, and, and moms, like stay-at-home moms, like talk about having to perform. Like you're on all day, every day. And so I think that we all have our own way that we have to perform, like when it's go time for us. And I use the example of these sort of extreme high performers, but the reality is we're all high performers. And, and I would define that as anyone who wants to be better every day. You know, if you're looking to sleep better or optimize your mental or physical performance and you're changing your supplements or using essential oils or exercising, you know, anybody who's looking to improve their 
experience every day. That is how I would define a high performer. I love it. Okay. And you talked a little bit about your training, but I would love for you to kind of dive in a little bit more about what the Ziva technique is all about. Sure. So, you know, I mentioned the difference between mindfulness and meditation when we started, Mm -hmm. but the Ziva technique is actually a beautiful trifecta of mindfulness meditation, and manifesting. So it's the three M's we like to call it. And meditation really is the main course. That is about 80% of what I teach is that deep healing, restful meditation that's very good at getting rid of all of that stress from your past. And we use mindfulness almost like an appetizer, almost like a runway, as it's because it's more active. It's more of a left brain waking state practice. And so especially for high achievers, it gives them something to do. You know, it gives them something to control. So, and it's a nice like phase transition between their 60 mile an hour day to the surrender and the rest that is meditation. It's like we use mindfulness as that gear change, as that appetizer. And then the beautiful dessert is manifesting. And that word can sometimes get a bit of a bad rap, I think, because especially high achievers, they think, oh, you want me to just sit around and like secret my dreams? I have to actually work for mine. And yes, we do all have to take action. But to me, manifesting simply means consciously creating a life you love. It's taking the time to get specific about what it is that you actually want in your life. And I am constantly amazed at how few people take the time to do this. And that means it's not just the blanket of like, I want more money or I want a boyfriend. Like that's more of a complaint than it is a specific request. And so it's getting like, how much money do you want to make this year? What, what kind of a boyfriend do you want? What do you want your life to look like? What do you want your house to look like? And the techniques that I teach are basically giving people the tools to imagine that reality as if it's happening now versus inadvertently worshiping the absence of the thing, which is what a lot of us are doing when we quote unquote manifest or pray or or simply just complain about all the things that we don't yet have. We're we're inadvertently watering the weeds when what we want to be doing is watering the flowers. We want to be putting our attention on the thing as if it's already here. So that's what I teach in the manifesting. And what I found is that the combination of those three things, but specifically meditation and mindfulness, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You could meditate all day long, but if you're not clear about what it is that you want to create, it's very hard for you to manifest those things. And similarly, you could make vision boards until the cows come home, but if you aren't meditating and your body is riddled with stress and you don't actually believe that you deserve what you put on your vision board, then it's hard for nature to deliver those things. So I just find that the combination of meditation and mindfulness, it just speeds up the rate with which you're able to create in your life. Probably manifesting is one of my favorite, favorite things to do. Mm. What inspired you? I mean, it all makes sense to me. And and the fact that you have this beautiful trifecta just seems like the perfect combination to really creating the life that you want. But what what inspired you to add the manifesting piece? Because I don't think people normally think about manifesting during meditation. Mm -hmm. Well, I think because I just saw a pattern of so many of my students, whether they were conscious of it or not, or whether they knew that they were able to do it or not, when they started meditating, because I was just teaching meditation for like the first four and a half years of my career. It wasn't until this year that I started adding in the mindfulness and the manifesting. But even without me teaching it, when people started a daily meditation practice, it's like what they believed that they deserve started to increase. Like they just 
one woman got a $125,000 scholarship to a nursing school that she didn't apply for. <laughs> and she's like, I don't even know how this happened. I just got this scholarship and I didn't even apply for it. So like things like that started happening again and again and again, like just things were just showing up and it seemed like magic to them. And they just didn't understand. It was like a toddler walking around with a torch. It's like they had a very powerful tool, but they didn't really know how to use it. And so I figured, well, if they're going to have this ability, I might as well give them some tools to curate it and to, to cultivate it and to use it in a way that they can really do the most good on the planet. I love it. Okay. So I a couple more questions that I had. One, I am so thrilled to check this out and I'm so excited to know that you have an online training. What was the impetus for that? for creating an online training? Yeah, so I, I got a lot of pushback from the meditation community because when I started, the, my first online training, it was like five years ago. So it was before, you know, the Oprah Chopra challenges and it was even before Headspace. And and so a lot of the purists were like, how dare you? And to be honest, I didn't know if it was going to work. It was an experiment, but I'm really so thrilled to say that it's been curing people's insomnia. It's been reducing their anxiety. The people have enjoying their lives more and actually committing to the practice. Cause that's a big question as well as with an online training, do people actually finish and do they keep meditating? And so I was very happy to say that the answer is yes to all of that. But I originally started it because so many of my students that would come to me in New York or LA you know, it was changing their lives in such a powerful way. And they're like, I really want to share this with my mom, but she lives in Idaho and there's no teachers there. Or, you know, my cousin lives in Brazil or my aunt lives in Wisconsin. And so they wanted to be able to share it with their friends and family. And I can't be everywhere all the time. And that was just about the time that video streaming technology and online courses and back-end platforms, it was the time that all this technology was becoming much more elegant and was making all of this possible. And even, you know, Facebook groups, so you could have like a virtual classroom, which is crazy to believe that even five or six years ago, this stuff wasn't all that readily available, but it's, it's really that new. And so once I realized that the technology was able to support it, I just thought this stuff is too good. These tools are too valuable to keep them under wraps anymore. And so what I did is, is I created as great of a course as I could that was going to move the needle as much as I could, that is still a bit gentler than what I teach in person. And that is by design because what I teach in person is very powerful. I like to call it like the Tesla of meditations. It's fast, it's powerful, and I think it makes you sexier. So the online course is, is a little bit gentler because I can't be in the room with the person. And so if let's say they had like PTSD or severe depression or anxiety, some of that can start to come up and out in the first few days and weeks. And so it's just important that people have a support system in place. So I adjusted the online course accordingly, but it's been honestly one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. I love it. And even if it's a little bit more gentler, is it still as effective as if you were present? It's definitely moving the needle for people. It's, I mean, people's insomnia is going away. Their anxiety is decreasing. Their performance abilities are increasing. Like people's lives are getting better very quickly. It's like a Toyota versus a Tesla. You know, a Toyota is going to get you there. You know, it is safe. It is powerful. It's just a little bit more affordable and it's a little bit more practical. And then what I find is that a lot of the people who do the online training after like a year or two, they're like, you know what? I want to kick it up a notch. And then they come and learn in person. But, you know, different strokes for different folks. I think it just depends on what people's travel schedule is like. And, and a lot of people want to dip their toe in the water before they go the full Monty, which is the point of the online training. 
Well, I totally agree. I love online training in the sense that you can really control doing it at home. And there's something to be said about that. And yeah, not everyone, unfortunately, not everybody lives, not that everyone wants to live in LA or New York, but a lot of people all all over the country and all over the world. Mm -hmm. So I think this is such a great thing that you've been able to offer so that people can kind of learn at their own home at their own pace, Mm -hmm. which I think is great. And then, yeah, you're right. They can absolutely come and find you. Mm-hmm. where you're at to learn it personally as well. Yeah. And sometimes we do retreats all over the world. Like we do one in Greece, we do them in Santa Fe, Mexico. So that's kind of a fun option too, is people, you know, they take a long weekend and they really immerse themselves in it. And that's, that's fun as well. If someone was to want to learn where the retreats are or what to do, where is one of the best places they can find you, my dear? Yeah. So our home, our online home is Ziva, Z-I-V-A, meditation.com. And Ziva is a Sanskrit word that means bliss. So it's just zivameditation.com. And they can find the online and the in-person courses there. And you can also find, we have a whole a thing called the Ziva Vault, which is like our video blog. And there's hundreds of videos and articles and podcasts there. And I'll put this one there. So it's a nice place for people to get to know me and, and what we do a little bit better. Oh, I love it. Okay. And then I have one more question for you before we talk a little bit about what you're bringing to the table. This is the question I've been asking everyone. I never know people. People have so surprised me with the answers to this question. So I wanted to ask, what is the one habit, or it could even be a natural solution, it could be a green juice, whatever it is, that you do every single day that moves the needle for your health and well-being? Well, I really wish I could be more original or more surprising with this one, but I'd have to say if there's one non-negotiable thing in my day every day, it is meditation. I mean, I would, I'd probably, oh, is that true? I'm trying to say if I had to brush my teeth or meditate, what would I do? (laughs) I honestly, I think I might meditate because I could like pop in some gum and while it would be disgusting, I perform so much better. I'm so much nicer. I'm so much more creative. I know that my day is going to flow so much more elegantly when I meditate. And so for me, it's, it's, not original or not surprising, I guess, but it's definitely meditation for me. I love it. I love it. I always come in with this preconception that I'll know what someone's going to say, but oftentimes I have no idea. But I was like, you know, this is so built into the core of who you are. I mean, it's it's, you live, you breathe. This is who you've become. I had a feeling that that was definitely going to be the thing, but I wasn't sure. So I'm so happy. But that really, I mean, I think that lends to, as the listeners and even myself here, not only the importance of it, but for you, I mean, it's, it's, very much the lifeblood of who you are. Yeah, I do in this way, definitely practice what I preach. And I can't imagine my life without it. You know, sometimes people ask me, I don't remember why, but they were like, you know, how much money would it take for you to stop meditating? And, and I can't even think of an amount. I mean, a billion dollars, a hundred billion dollars, like then I'd just be a really rich insomniac. Like my insomnia would come back. I would be angry and sad. Like it's not worth it to me. Like this thing brings me so much joy and it really is invaluable. And really quickly, I know we're, we're getting, we're getting close to finishing and there are so many people struggling with insomnia. Mm -hmm. Just a brief synopsis. What was that game changing moment? I know we didn't have a chance to talk to you about your story. That moment of insomnia being so bad that you decided to pursue this. Cause I'm Mm -hmm. assuming this wasn't on the table for you probably in the beginning, you're probably looking for any solution to get rid of the insomnia. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Because goodness knows, as you know, there are millions and millions of people 
dealing with insomnia, dealing with chronic stress, adrenal fatigue, I mean, name it. Very similar to kind of things you were dealing with. Yeah. I mean, it's awful. Like insomnia is just the worst and it can, it can exacerbate adrenal fatigue and anxiety and all of that. So my journey was that I was on Broadway for about 10 years. I was a Broadway performer and my last Broadway show was a chorus line and I was understudying three of the lead roles, which basically means you show up to the theater and you have no idea which character you're going to play. It's a lot of people's stress dream. And that was my actual job. Actually, just last night, I had a stress dream that I was going on for Velma in Chicago on Broadway, which I also did that show, but I never played Velma. And I just showed up to the theater and I didn't have a costume. I didn't know the blocking or the choreography or the words to any of the songs. And I was just backstage and it was showtime. And I was like, but I don't know anything to do. (laughs) It's just funny that 10 years later, I'm still having those stress dreams. Oh my goodness. Um, But anyway, but that was my job. And so I'd show up to the theater and have no idea which character I was going to play. And it led to a lot of anxiety and stress and ultimately insomnia. Like I mentioned, couldn't sleep for 18 months. And then finally, the woman sitting next to me in the dressing room, she was understudying five of the leads. And this woman was nailing it. I mean, every song, every dance, every bite of food was a celebration. And I was like, what do you know that I don't know? And she said, I meditate. And so finally, I I was like, I have to try something. I'm, I'm miserable. And so I went to this class. And on the first day of the first course, I was meditating. I had no idea what that meant, but I was in a different state of consciousness that I had ever been in before. And I liked it. And then that night, I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. And I have every night since. And that was 10 and a half years ago. And then I stopped getting sick. I didn't get sick for eight and a half years. I stopped going gray. I stopped getting injured. I started enjoying my job. And I thought, well, why does everybody not do this? And so I left Broadway in 2009 and I went to India and I started what became a three-year training process to teach this. So what I did was a little bit more akin to getting your PhD in the Vedas than it is like a, a weekend yoga certification. You know, it was thousands of hours of apprenticing, thousands of hours of transcribing books by hand in Sanskrit and thousands of hours of meditating. And, you know, it was amazing. It was very intense, but incredible. And, and then I opened up Ziva about five and a half years ago, and it's been the best thing I've ever done. Oh, I love it. I love that story. I'm so glad you shared it. I know we kind of got to it at the end. I was like saving the best for last. But I think that it's important that people know that this was, you know, your journey. That moment was so impactful. That training, it shifted everything in your entire world. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could easily still be on Broadway Mm -hmm. today. I could, as as my dream just showed me last night. (laughs) (laughs) As you absolutely showing up and didn't even know what you were going to do. Oh my gosh, that would freak me out. It's scary. I know a lot of people are looking exactly to start this, and I think this is the best time right now. So tell us a little bit about what you're bringing to the table for us, because you have this amazing free training that you're bringing. Yeah. So it's called The Stress Solution, Three Ways to Manage Anxiety So It Doesn't Manage You. And that title is very deliberate, because the reality is if you're not managing your anxiety, then it is managing you, and probably in ways that you might not even be able to see. And so in this webinar, it's like a masterclass for a webinar. It's online and people can do it in their own time. It's about 45, 50 minutes long. 
And it's going to walk people through like a deeper dive into the neuroscience behind how mindfulness meditation and manifesting impact your brain and body differently. And I'll walk you through some mindfulness exercises, some manifesting exercises, and just really do a deeper dive explanation of what meditation is. So if, it's a great place to just get your questions answered. And then, you know, if people want to dive deeper, then they can jump into the Ziva online training. But I'd say definitely the stress solution is a great place to start. And we'll send you links for that. So the link for this particular amazing free workshop, this masterclass is going to be in my show notes. If any of this appealed to, which I know it did, the stress, the anxiousness, and what woman, what person isn't dealing with this and who doesn't want more high performance? I know for me, I have seen her do this in person, but to be able to go through the course, I think for me, I know one of my goals for this year is to get more, well, to get more sync into doing meditation. And I love the trifecta, the mindfulness, the meditation, and the manifesting. It's it's like literally up my alley. So grab the link in the show notes, register to do the free class. I know that this is going to be such a game change for so many people. Goodness knows, I know that it's going to be a massive game change for me. Emily, honey, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your incredible wisdom and everything that you bring to the table. It is my absolute pleasure. Thank you for creating this podcast and for all the generosity that you give to me and to everyone who enjoys your work. And thanks for this opportunity. Absolutely, honey. Well, have a wonderful day and I know I'll see you soon. Okay, great. Bye. So are you convinced? I know I am. Plus, I'm already meditating and excited to make it more of a daily ritual. I have experienced a profound decrease in stress due to my meditation practice in the morning because mornings are really that sweet spot for me due to all of the other things that I do a part of my morning ritual. Now, if you are ready to experience less stress and more productivity, I want to invite you to learn from the meditation expert that Mark Hyman goes to. Emily is incredible and her gift is so perfect if you are struggling with any stress in your life. You can find the link to the stress solution in the show notes for this episode on my website, Dr. Marisa Snyder, that is D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A.com slash episode 20. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. You are the inspiration for why I create the content and invite these incredible speakers. Coming up next, I'm going to personally show you how to uplift your mood with one powerful ritual. And yes, it involves some of my favorite emotional essential oil blends. So you're not going to want to miss it. I can't wait to see you at the next episode. Talk to you then. Bye.